go to the book of 1 Timothy. I like the book of Timothy. 1st, 2nd Timothy and the book of Titus. Those three books will tell you how to operate your church. Tell you what you can do, can't do, what you should do, what you shouldn't do. These are what I call the uh, pastoral epistles. Uh, Paul wrote those, and every preacher needs to memorize those three books. I have it. I've, I've preached out of it enough that I can pretty well help you with it when I'm reading it. But I'm saying that we need to know. These are the rules and regulations. People try to get rules and regulations. And uh, we don't need them. We've got, already got the Bible. First Timothy, we're going to chapter number 3. Chapter 3. Before this message is over, I probably won't get through. Matter of fact, I know I won't get through. But I'm going to read today, right now, at this moment, verses 14 down through verse 16. And I'll pray and bring you a message. Matter of fact, it's a continuance of a message I preached on Wednesday. I'm not going to go back and get all that. But I'm going to get you a part of it, okay? Pick up where I was if I can. I don't usually do that. But this is one of those important things. You see, we are in a mess in America. We are in the middle of a battle. Uh, things are happening daily. It's just getting started and you had not seen nothing yet. Our country is headed for demise. It's going to die. Your, your day is through of what you used to have and see. Things are changing rapidly. Now you said, what are you, a conspiracy theorist? No, I'm what they call a Bible thumper. And that they just make fun of people who thump the Bible. And I'm not ashamed of it. I really don't care what the world says or thinks. But I do care what God says. And I try to pattern my life after the Word of God. I will tell you quickly, I fail. I miss the mark. I come short. And I'm constantly at the throne of God trying to get things straightened out. Now some of y'all probably hadn't had no problem with that and you don't have to see the Lord often as I do. I mean, I'm on a regular standing basis. I don't even have to make an appointment. By the way, you don't either. He's always on the throne. He is always at home. I never get a busy signal in glory. Amen. Sometimes uh, I'm sure he says, oh no, not him again. But I go to him constantly. God's been good to me. He is good to me. And I've got confidence that he's going to continue to be good to me you follow God and God will follow after you you honor him he'll honor you let's take our Bible in 1st Timothy and let's look at verse number 14 let's stand not in reverence to me but in reverence to the reading of the word of God 
Paul said, These things write I unto thee, hoping to come unto thee shortly. Paul said, I'm fixing to come. Hopefully I'm going to get there pretty soon. That's what he's saying here. In verse 15 he said, But if I tarry long, in other words, if it's longer than I think, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God. I've been up and down the country for 50 years preaching in churches, and there's a lot of them needs to learn how to behave in the house of God. Now somebody give me a good hearty amen right there. All right. Wasn't good enough, but that's all right. But if I tarry long that thou mightest know how thou oughtest, how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God. You don't behave the same way as you do down out yonder in the world. So you need to learn how to behave yourself in the world like God wants you to so you'll do it all right when you get to church. Yeah. Which is, he said this, the house of God. What is the house of God? Which is the church of the living God. Now the house of God is where God dwells. Now God don't dwell in the brick and the mortar and the stuff here. He dwells in our hearts. And that's where he's at today in our hearts. He said the church of the living God. Then he's got a little comma there. That means there's more coming. The pillar and ground of truth. Now if I'm reading that right today. The church should be the pillar and the ground of truth. Amen. Is that what it says? Amen. You won't find truth nowhere else but out the house of God. That's where God expects you to get the truth. Amen. They won't tell you the truth sometimes at the courthouse or the jailhouse or the grocery store or Walmart or AutoZone. Amen. Amen. But you can get the truth out the house of God if it's the right place. And that's what you need, isn't it? Verse 16, And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God, well, here's, the, here's the mystery of godliness. He's going to tell you what that mystery is. God was manifest in the flesh. Now, how was he manifest in the flesh? Through Jesus Christ. God was manifest in the flesh. Secondly, justified, just as if he, you know, and that means he's justified in the spirit. That's the Holy Ghost. He said, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, that's you and me, believed on in the world, received up into glory. Now that's the mystery of godliness. You can be seated. And let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning for the privilege of prayer. We thank you for being able to come to the house of God on this Lord's day. We thank you today that we have the privilege of being able to declare the Word of God, open our minds of understanding, open our heart, give us liberty. I pray the Holy Ghost uh, fill us and thrill us and speak through us and to us. And when we leave out of this place today, we can say we've been to the house of God. We heard from heaven. And Lord, I pray you let us pack a little lunch to go with us. I pray God give us something to run the course with. Oh, Lord, give us a pocket full, a bag full, a heart full, a soul full of the Word of God. We'll give you the glory for it and have your way in our life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you'll go back to the third chapter where I just read in the last part of it, you go back to the first part of it, 
And I'm going to deal with this just a little bit to some degree. He said, this is a true saying, if a man desire the office of a bishop, a preacher, or in this case, a pastor, I believe, is what you would find that word, bishop. He desireth a good work. And then from verse number 2 on down, he starts talking about the qualifications of the man of God. And if I get time today, Lord willing, I'll preach that. If I don't get time, I'll come back with it tonight. Amen. I'm so excited i got so much I can say. And uh, amen. I pray this morning God will help us. Then he talks about the deacons. And then he talks about the deacons' wives. Amen. You ought to feel pretty good. I'm not preaching to you this morning if you're, if you're not a preacher. So I'm having to preach to myself. But I'm going to tell you that you need to look at everything that totes a Bible, wears a suit. Of course, a lot of preachers don't even do that no more. I mean, a lot of people today who have the title of being clergy, being men of the cloth, they call it, or a reverend, or a pastor, or a teacher, or a father, which, Lord, have mercy, he's a gone-on-man father. But they today miss the qualifications here and don't see it. And I'm afraid, and I'm going to make a statement here you may not like, and that's okay. I hope that you'll mull it over in your mind while you're eating your green beans today. And I pray that you'll think about what I'm saying and apply it. Our churches are dead and cold and ungodly and wicked. And our morals are gone because the men of God are like some of y'all's guard dogs. Some of y'all probably got one of them. Lays on the porch and when somebody comes up, they just look at them and get up and walk around and smell to their feet and go back and lay down. Now if you had a watchdog... And he didn't bark. I'd quit feeding him. I'd take him to the pound. And if I had a preacher that wouldn't preach, if I had a preacher that wouldn't preach, I'd take note. Because he's supposed to be telling me the truth. According to my Bible, I read it to you a while ago, the person in this world that God has chosen to give you the truth isn't at the man of God that he's called to preach and the church is supposed to be known for the truth. Amen. We've got a lot of preachers won't preach much. But what they do preach is truth. I hear some people say, boy, my preacher preaches the word of God. That's fine. How much of it does he preach? Does he preach the whole council? Does he knock your feet off the coffee table? Does he stir your soul? Does he upset the apple cart in your life? Does he make you comfortable or uncomfortable? Amen. Does he smooth uh, your conscience? Does he patch 
a pat you on the back? Does it squirt rose water? Does he brag about how good you are? Does he does he exalt self? Does he preach against sin? Does he expose the devil? Does he shine the lightning of God's word on your problems and your troubles and your sins? Amen. So I'm not too much concerned about what he preaches. I'm concerned about what he don't preach. Amen. I was... I've heard some... This is one of the things that I guess is a pet peeve to me. I hear people been in church for 50 years, 60 years, 70 years. And I say things to them. They say, preacher, I've never heard that. And I said, your preacher preach? Yeah, but he ain't never preached that. I said, why not? It's in the Bible. I asked him in Sunday school this morning, how much of this Bible should I preach? Somebody tell me. Where's that start? Where's it end? Then I've already got the authority. So now you done told me what I should preach. So tighten your seatbelt. <laughs> Amen. I was sitting at the table just uh, Thursday morning. I'm trying to think when it was. Thursday morning. Eating my breakfast and fellow sitting there and I said, did you hear that they've hired 87,000 new IRS agents that are armed? He said, no. I said, they have. What are they going to do? I said, your guess is as good as mine, but I can guess. And he said, maybe they're going to get rid of these people as Beating them. I'm glad they're doing it. I said, uh, what are you talking about? He said, I believe, I believe if you make $20, I believe if you make $20, you ought to turn that into IRS, and if you don't, you're, you're cheating the government. And I said, well, okay. I, I, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the 87,000 IRS agents. I said, the reason... What I'm trying to say is when I, when I do my taxes, I just give the account and everything I got and I care I keep all the receipts. Boy, we didn't get nothing there. You don't keep yours? And I give them to the accountant. I say, figure it out and tell me what I got to do. And I cross my fingers, cross my toes, and that ain't no good, but I say, God help me. Ain't nobody in this building wants to lock horns with an IRS. <laughs> Guarantee you. Amen. I said, I keep up with it. I said, I don't worry about the IRS and I'm not concerned about that as much as I am the people that go to the church and they hold back on God. And they won't give him a 10%. They don't tithe. 
He said, well, 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 wait, wait, wait. He said, I believe when you get certain age and a certain income that you're no longer obligated to pay tithes. I'm eating a biscuit, drinking my coffee. Almost got choked. I stopped. I said, really? He said, yeah. I said, you know what? I've I, I never seen that. But would you show me the chapter in the verse that tells me that I'm, when I get so old, I don't have to pay tithes? Would you tell me what age that is? I'm looking. I've been paying all these years. And matter of fact, I'm not paying. Matter of fact, you say, I pay tithes. I pay tithes. Quit paying them. That's a gift. Give it to God. You don't pay. God didn't send me a bill from heaven with things for me to tire out a thing and send in on Sunday. He done told me. Started back with Abraham. And he said, oh, I don't, I don't have no... I said, he said, I just believe that. I said, well, I wish you'd find that out. Maybe I've overpaid God and He owes me a refund. <laughs> he changed the subject. We got off of it. Went to something else. I was on the phone last week. I believe it was Wednesday. And I was on the phone to a friend of mine that's in Tennessee. And he said, you're going to church tonight, Brother Dills? I said, yeah, that's where I go every Wednesday. He said, "Uh, we're going to get to go back tonight. I said, you ain't been going? He said, no, our preacher stopped the church for two weeks so everybody could have a vacation. And I said to him, I said, I have never heard this. Fifty years in preaching, I've never heard a church shutting down for vacation. I know a lot of people shut down and went. But I don't know no church that done it. Isn't that something? Can I tell you this morning, don't expect that to come from this pulpit? If everybody goes on vacation next week, I'll preach to empty pews. And we got a stump. It's not going to be pretty too safe pretty soon. Right out here in the front yard, I'll preach on the stump till it deteriorates. Amen. See, I take this pulpit serious. This is not my playground. This is not my profession. This is my calling. And I love preaching the Word of the living God. It's alive. It's alive. It's alive. Amen. Well, just so much, isn't it? Somebody said, what do you think that they got the 87,000 IRS agents for? You're going to see. Somebody said it's for corporations. Going to take care of the big corporations. But two days ago, maybe it was three days ago, I saw where that Franklin Graham, 
was very concerned because they've already audited him twice and now he's at the point of being audited again. Yesterday morning when I was getting ready to go to church, I looked at the news, and I don't take news around here, I look at this news clips. I don't trust the news. You say, well, that's why you're crazy. Amen. Maybe that's why you're crazy. You believe everything they say. You believe everything the news tells you? No, sir. Anyhow, I read where that the Southern Baptist Convention is concerned because of an audit. Now what they're going to do, and I heard, what is, what's that fellow's name? Clyde? What's his name? Andrew Clyde. Andrew Clyde. I think of Clyde or Klein, whatever it is. He said, he's up there and he says this. He says, take this serious. It's deeper than you think. Did you hear me say this a few times back? I ain't going to get nowhere. Lord have mercy. You hear me say this a few times before that by 2030 they say that we won't own anything and we'll be happy. I mean, he's heard that. And I hear people say, well, if I don't own that, I ain't going to be happy. How are they going to take everything I've got? I believe the 87,000 is the beginning of what they're going to do. I believe that'll end up being the police system of, the, of, of America. Down the road. You said that's conspiracy theory. Okay, okay. I'll accept that for right now. But when it happens, I'll expect an apology. I said, you're crazy preacher. That's right. Crazy for Jesus. I'm out of my mind for the Lord. Glory to God. I'm the happiest in the world. Leave me alone. Don't get no straight jacket. Don't bother me. Don't put me in a padded wall or in a padded room with padded walls. I'm happy. Happiest I've ever been. Because I believe the rapture is fixing to take place. I believe the saints of God going out of here. I don't whine people, whine the world people. You listen, it's rolling so fast I can't get it all here. I listened to an IRS agent out of Illinois, I believe it is, or somewhere. She's running. And the Democrats are trying to keep her from getting in. And she worked for the IRS agency for years. She worked in the police force for years. She's worked in those kind of areas. Matter of fact, she was not just uh, one that goes out. She was an analyst in the IRS to figure out how in the world to keep you from robbing them. I had an interesting story from her. She said the border figures in all this. The president we have just lets them come in and out of the border. Of course, some of the governors, thank God for them, sends them to New York and Washington. 
New York can't do nothing with them. They just have to house them. But Washington now, I found out, is sending... I didn't get this from the IRS agent. But I found out that Washington is sending them back, not to Texas, but sending them back to Georgia. And they're in West Georgia. Has anybody heard that? Oh, make me feel good. Amen. See, I'm not lying. Oh, so over on the other side of Georgia, it could have been northeast Georgia, but they sent them to West. It, the next load might come to your county. And to put it, and this IRS agent says when they get into this country, like they're getting in, and not going through all the paperwork they used to go through. They got a phone number that they can call the IRS or who's ever in charge of it. That's who it is. They can call and get themselves a social security number. And when they get a little, they don't call it a social security, they call it another number. What? I guess. That's what I did. But they get that. And that means now they can go in to the workforce and start paying taxes. That's what they're supposed to do. And but they when they get a W two, well not a W two, but a IRS form, what a ten forty or something like that. It's got two numbers past it. And if they put that in there, that means that they're illegal. And they turn it over to the agents, and they go get them. Well, this woman was doing that. She was pulling them out. And they come to her one day and said, Do not do that again. You keep doing this and you're going to lose your job. Don't put that number in. Said, Count them as regular people. See what I'm saying? What they doing when they count them as regular people, now they can get money and returns back. And they can get, she said as much as 4,000, 5,000, 7,000, 10,000, 15,000. She said the most that she'd seen them get a return on was $17,000. And she said that the IRS is two years behind on their refunds. To the regular people. Because they're sending that money that you should be getting to them people. See, that's where that's coming with your other IRS agents. They are taking control. Now you go study what I'm saying. You say, why do you preach that in the pulpit? Because I'm getting tired of going out in the public and people look at me and say, What's happening? And I try to tell them and they'll say, that ain't happening. I've said things in this church right here in the last two years that's going to happen and some of you look like you lost your best friend, your eyes roll around four times in your head and you, they flip sometimes like you're playing a, what is them things, a lottery machine. And then six months later it happens and you say, huh, that's what the preacher said. Yeah. I'm getting people tired of people not knowing. Yeah. 
And you're going to find the truth at the house of God because that's what He's put here for. Amen. Amen. So I look at these things. In America, some of you have lost your children to drugs, to alcohol, to sex, and all kinds of, what you call it, uh, recreation and those sort of things, pleasure. Some of you have already lost them. Some of you are in the presence or in the process of losing your children for the very same thing. Some of you are at the place where you may not have them yet, but you're going to lose your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren to them same things. And you don't want the preacher to say anything about nothing. But pat you on the back. Amen. Amen. Well, I've been around the track. I thank God for what God's given me and all that. I do. I I had to give up three churches in my life because of sickness. They got sick of me. The first church said, Preacher, we're not having that here. I preach strong, just like I do now. And they'd have meetings. And I'd go to the meetings, to the deacons' meetings, and I'd say, What's wrong, fellas? And they say, You are. Said, We're not going to have that here. I said, we got it here. And I said, you're right. We're not going to have what you have here. (laughs) So they said, we'll just vote you out. And they brought in the Southern Baptist Convention. I'm an independent Baptist. Was when I went there. Of course, I don't agree with everything on the Baptist. You can tell by that now. I just believe it's the closest thing to the Scriptures. It's just a base work for me to work from. I'm a Bible thumper, I said earlier. I'm a Bible believer, I'm saying now. I'm a Bible preacher. And I told that fellow the other day, when he said to me, after you get so so certain age, I believe you don't have... I said, where's that? He said, I just believe that. And I said, you know, it don't matter what you believe, but what does the Word of God say? So they brought a charge against me. And they got up and gave me a charge and they said, we don't, we don't want a dictator. We don't want a, uh, somebody preaches against women preachers. We don't want somebody that uh, does some things. And I just stepped up and I said, can I answer that? And he said, you sure can. I said, let me just tell you, when I came to this church, I was an independent Baptist preacher. I told you I was. And I said, y'all said there was no problem as long as you preach the Word of God. I said, as far as I'm concerned, I've preached the Word of God since I've been here. Secondly, I don't believe in women preachers. I don't believe God ordains women to preach. Amen. And then I said, to, 
I believe in the King James Bible and Southern Baptists don't. And I said, then, we don't have alcohol on our campus here at the church like Southern Baptists do at their colleges. And the only one he answered back on me was, we don't have no more alcohol on our college campuses than you do here. And I said, I don't have it here. And they voted me out. One got up and said, I'll make a motion that we ask him to resign. If he don't resign, this motion will end up turning around to be, I'll make a motion that we vote him out. And they voted me out. One by one, they voted me out. We started another church that night in a home. In a home. As a matter of fact, I said, we'll just have a service in, in my house tonight. One little old demon-filled deacon got up. He said, well, he wasn't spirit-filled, and I'll tell you how I know that. When he, he, he said, well, that's the church house. You can't have Bible. They can't have church in the church house. Said, matter of fact, you're going to have to move now, today. So the Baptist fellow got back up and he said, he's allotted 60 days to 90 days to get out of that house. And so one of the other men said, we'll have it in my house. You said, preacher, they won't do that in America. They've done it in America. They've done it in Bible days. At the second church, I was passing up the road from here, and they didn't like what I was preaching. And they now I'm telling you this because you need to know this because these are some of the things we're going to have to face in some of the days ahead. All right. I was preaching. They come in that day and it's, some of them told me, said, Chairman Board Dickens is going to ask you to leave today. I said, is that right? But Chairman Board Dickens is teaching Sunday school. I sit in the very back. He's up there teaching, knowing he's going to have to do that job. He got so sick. He couldn't stand. And he said, folks, I'm going to have to go home. He went to the house. So instead, here, the, I heard that. And instead of, of uh, listening to what they said, they had already let me know. You know what the charge was? Listen, listen. I'm trying to tell you where we are in America. And people don't pay no attention to the other side of what I'm talking about. Uh, the deacons, two of them, and one of the members of the church, had met with me on a Thursday. And they said, Preacher, we want to tell you something. I said, what's it? He said, well, it's long overdue. I said, what is it? He said, did you know you preach too loud? You preach too long? You move around too much? And you don't have no tack? I said, guilty. <laughs> and the chairman was going to have to ask me to leave. He got sick. He went home. So I preached that day. And when I got through, I said, I just want to tell you something. I've been approached by some of the deacons of this church. They said, I preach too long, too loud. I move around too much, and I don't have no tack. 
And as, as of this service right now, I'm going to shake the dust off my feet as a testimony against you, and I will be no longer your pastor when I walk out this door. And that's been years, and I ain't been back there, and won't be. You hear me? The third time that they got sick of me, I lasted six months. Now, I've been here 30-something years, and I appreciate you folks sticking with me. I just pray that you stick with me in the days ahead. Because it's not going to be an easy sailing road anymore. Amen. And I'm not talking about the preaching. I'm talking about what our nation's going to fix in the face. Amen. You won't know church as you know church in a few years. Other churches don't have church like we do in other countries. They have to hide. Sneak around. Underground. I just see some of these that won't come on a regular basis now. Whining, I can't go to church. Well, that's what you wanted all these years. Amen. They said to me, I went down there and preached, and I went in on a Sunday night, and I heard a lady in the choir, blah, 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 blah. She's speaking in tongues while I was in the choir. I didn't know that was, I was right, so I got over on the other side of the choir. And we sung a little bit more, and I heard her. I know what it was then. I opened up my Bible and preached that night on the tongue chapter 14 of First Corinthians and Then uh, when I got through, she said on the second row, she just jumped up. She said, Preacher, I got this gift at my husband's dying bedside. It come in the window, flew right around the foot of the bed, well, lit up on my shoulder, and I've been speaking in tongues ever since. And I said, Well, ma'am, as long as I'm your pastor, unless you have an interpreter, and I understand what the interpreter is saying, and I know it's of God, you just keep your mouth shut. They went on. On a Monday night, about 9 o'clock, I get a phone call. And the chairman board Dickens, he said, Preacher, I, I, I'm going to have to tell you something I don't want to tell you. He's a crying. A little wimp. <laughs> He's a crying. And he said, we just had a meeting tonight. And said, we decided it's probably best you not come back to this church no more. I hate to tell you that. I said, well, don't bother me. Just go outside, take your Baptist sign down, put up something else. Because that's not what you are. Matter of fact, they come to this church. The first time I was here is when they heard me. And took me down there. Well, I, I didn't go. I mean, I said, I'm not going back. That's fine. I ain't been back. Won't. Shook the dust off my feet on that church. Now, why am I telling you all that? Because we've got preachers in our county today and around the world, in our state, all over the place. They won't preach anything. They're like a dog laying on the porch and won't bark. 
like I said. They uh, won't pay their bills. They chase women. Run around half naked. I'm talking about don't have a right life about them. And everybody loves them. They fancy. They great. What a great man. What a great message. And them preachers are sending people to hell. Won't tell them nothing. I was preaching on Wednesday night about missionaries and evangelists. And I thought about preaching it again, finishing that up this morning, but I'm not going to have time for it now. I done went I went around and done something here. I, I believe the Holy Spirit was in. And I believe what I preach has been the truth. But I'm telling you today, we are fixing to face things that we've never faced before. We already seen the food shortages of things, gas prices down. I mean, now they're down a little bit, but they have been up. I said it's going to go to four dollars a year or so ago, two years ago. I don't think it'll ever get under four now. I read where that yesterday they said that eight out of ten chances right now since they raided Mar-a-Lago, eight out of ten chances are that. They will indict Trump or even put him in jail. And all they're trying to do is keep down another election so he won't run in 2024. Now, you love Trump or not love Trump. I'm not too concerned about all that, but I'm telling you this we don't need four more years of what we got now. And I'm not a politician. That's the things that get me cut off of YouTube. But I'm telling you the truth. And they're saying all this. And then to bring all their little henchmen in. And all they got to do is get down to the place uh, where they pick who is on what side. They don't like it. You know our country is the most divided it's ever been. Whites against blacks. Blacks against... You know what? Ten years ago... There wasn't as much animosity between the whites and the blacks as they are now. Brother, if you're black, you hate white. And if you're white, you hate black. And that's not me. Amen. I used to be a time I didn't care too much for the Democrats, but I tolerated them. Now they're hard for me to tolerate. I'm not a politician. You got divisions in the in the denominations. You got divisions in the Bible. One carries this kind and one carries that. I only carry the one that's right. Amen. You can figure out what that is. Feller said to me, "You've been in church for a long time," and I said, "We've been sending out all this literature, and we ship it out free. Don't charge one penny for any of it." He said, "How do you do that?" I said, God in heaven. He said, how, do you, how does he do that? I said, ask him. All I know is for 30 years, we haven't had to borrow no money. 
hadn't run out of anything. We come close a time or two. But we're still printing, still giving it away. Amen. Still helping people. People got our literature. They're not going to, you know, preachers, they've wrote four or five books and everything's in the money business. Everything's in the money business. Preacher wants to go to a church, he wants to know how much he's paid. I don't let that hinder me. I could say I got run off of three of them, and amen. I, if I wanted to compromise and keep the money, I'd probably still be in one of them. Money don't bother me on that part. I got a God in heaven takes care of me. Does it look like I'm skin and bones? Does it look like God's got me on half rations? I hear people say, Preacher, you ought to lose some weight. I've heard that so much in my life. I thought, well, you wait till I get to glory. I'll have a right kind of body. Amen. Amen. <laughs> but until I get there, leave me alone. I'll eat my beans and my taters. I usually look back at them and say, you know what? If we were to have a famine, you're going to have to have preachers to preach your funeral. <laughs> and I got storage. That's right. Amen. All y'all thought the skin and bones, and you say, hey, get old boy up there, Bible Way Baptist Church. He still looks like he's got a little flesh on him. Amen. All these folks, these nature lovers and hug, tree huggers and all that. Lord have mercy. I didn't get like this hugging trees. I figured out a long time ago, only way I was going to be a big preacher's eat. <laughs> Amen. Amen. You know what I'm talking about up on the totem pole. Amen. Amen. So everybody said, our preacher's a big preacher. We got a big preacher up our church. I said, praise God, you're right. <laughs> All right. I hope this helped you. I hope you didn't think it's rambling. It's a little bit different than what I go at sometimes. And I, but I still got the Bible here in front of me. I, you want me to finish it? I didn't finish it. Amen. Two more hours and I'll, I'll let you out for lunch. But you still have to come back tonight. Amen. God bless you. Love you. Let's get an invitation number. I believe today in the invitation, what I want you to do is Search your heart to see where you are. I wanted to try to make this a message that I can encourage you to stay with the Word. I didn't much do that. I failed on that little area. But maybe tonight I'll finish that up and we're going to look at these qualifications of these preachers. I believe these qualifications are important. I, I believe the church of all places in the world should have the highest standard. Church sometimes has standards on certain things, but some of the things in the world have some have, have higher standards in some churches. And we shouldn't do that. What's your number, brother? 307. 307. Red book. Let's stand.